You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Numbers chapter 26, verses 1 through 4, a second census ordered. At the beginning of the book of Numbers, almost 39 years earlier, God ordered a census of the Exodus generation. Now most, if not all of that generation, have died, as God said they would. They are at the end of their wilderness journey. So after the plague, as a result of the incident at Baal of Peor, he ordered a second census of the conquest generation. And this was a count of all the men 20 years of age and older, fit for military service. Israel was being prepared for the wars they would fight as they would inherit the land. They needed to organize their army. And this was tasked to Moses and Eleazar, the son of Aaron, to oversee. They are now on the plains of Moab, by the Jordan, across from Jericho. Verses 5 through 51, the numbers. Each tribe is named along with the total number, but then significant people or events are named along the way. When the tribe of Reuben was counted, Dathan and Abiram are named as the conspirators in the rebellion against Moses and Aaron and the Lord. We're also reminded, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them along with Korah, whose followers died when the fire devoured the 250 men, and they served as a warning sign. So this new generation needed to be reminded that God judged rebellion, and this was recorded in Numbers chapter 16. Then a caveat. The line of Korah, however, did not die out. The children were not put to death for the sins of their fathers, so they were counted now in this census. We also have 11 psalms written by the sons of Korah. For the tribe of Judah, the death of his two sons, Ur and Onan, in Canaan is mentioned. And this was recorded in Genesis chapter 38. In the tribe of Manasseh, it mentions a person who has no sons, only five daughters who are named. This situation would lay the basis for the laws of inheritance in chapters 27 and 36. Of the total numbers, the tribe of Simeon has a significant drop of 37,100, which suggests they participated in the sin of Baal of Peor. The tribe of Manasseh has the most significant growth by 20,500, and the total number of the men of Israel over the age of 20 was now 601,730, compared to the first census, which was 603,550, according to Numbers 146, and this is a difference of 1,820 fewer men. The numbers didn't decrease too much considering all the times they were judged by God and tens of thousands would die at once. A total of over 600,000 people would have died in the wilderness, but many more were born, and those under the age of 20 were not included in the curse. They were now between the ages of 40 and 60. Verses 52 to 56, Rules of Inheritance. The Lord told Moses, The land is to be allotted to them as an inheritance, based on the number of names. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance, and to a smaller group, a smaller one. Each is to receive its inheritance according to the number of those listed. Be sure that the land is distributed by lot. What each group inherits will be according to the names for its ancestral tribe, and each inheritance it is to be distributed by lot among the larger and smaller groups. So 
these census numbers would be used to decide the size of each tribe's inheritance in Canaan. The division would be equitable, not equal. That means that each of the 12 tribes does not get the same amount of land as in 12 equal parts, but larger tribes receive more land to accommodate their population, while smaller tribes receive smaller areas. The locations would be chosen by casting lots. This was an approved way of determining God's will in a matter since he was the one who controlled the seemingly random process. Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. So because God was the one deciding the matter, and the whole land was a gift, they should be satisfied with it. Verses 57-62, the Levites counted separately. The Levites who assisted the priests in the tabernacle were exempt from military service, therefore they were counted separately from the fighting men. They also would not receive their own land, but only cities within the area occupied by other tribes. The three main branches of Levites descended from Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. There were also five other Levite clans. Then we're given some information about Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, since they are an important family. It says that Kohath was the forefather of Amram. The name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, a descendant of Levi who was born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram, she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. Aaron was the father um, of Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they made an offering before the Lord with unauthorized fire. And this is the first we hear the name of Aaron's mother, Jochebed. This also explains what happened to two of Aaron's sons, an incident we read about in Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. All the male Levites, a month old or more, numbered 23,000. They were not counted along with the other Israelites because they received no inheritance among them. So the age of the Levites who were counted was also different, as they were numbered from a month old or more, whereas the rest were males 20 years of age or older. Compared to the first census, uh, there were now 1,000 more Levites. Verses 63 to 65, the new generation. Then a summary statement. These are the ones counted by Moses and Eleazar the priest when they counted the Israelites on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Not one of them was among those counted by Moses and Aaron the priest when they counted the Israelites in the desert of Sinai. For the Lord had told those Israelites they would surely die in the wilderness, and not one of them was left except Caleb son of Jephunneh and Joshua son of Nun. God always keeps his promises even his promises to judge. So as with the first one, God didn't order the census of the Israelites because he didn't know how many there were, but to encourage them so they'd see the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, his power in bringing them out of Egypt, and his ability to care for such a great company in the wilderness. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? The children of Korah and the other rebels were not killed when the earth swallowed them up, which is a divine mercy. Every person will be judged for their own sin. Neither a parent's godliness or sinfulness will affect the standing of their child before the throne of God.
these children learned from the bad example of their parents and eventually wrote psalms of praise. If we don't partake in the sins of others, we will not share in their punishments. The rebels who died became a sign. They were examples to that generation and to every subsequent generation up to this one. Israel's future hope was based on the past promise of God to bless them, multiply them, and give them the land. This incredible company of people is a wonderful fulfillment of God's original promise to Abraham made hundreds of years earlier that he would multiply his descendants so that they are greater than the number of stars or sand on the seashore. But that was only the beginning. Throughout the centuries, that number of Jews has increased, and then, because of Jesus Christ, the number of Gentile believers have been added to it. Fulfilling God's promise to Abraham that through him all nations would be blessed. The land promise would soon be fulfilled. God knew how many Israelites there were, even before they were counted. Not one would be lost. Likewise, he knows all his people, and none will be lost. And this is a comfort to our souls. And now that they are redeemed, counted, and ransomed, they could be part of the army of God. This was not optional. Now that we are redeemed, counted, and ransomed, we can be part of the army of God, armed with the armor of God, fighting spiritual forces in heavenly places, fighting the good fight of faith through many tribulations, until the day when we rest from our labors and receive our reward and return victorious with Jesus Christ. We need to be prepared for warfare even if we are currently at peace. The Levites were exempted from fighting in the army because their role was related to the worship of God. God set aside one twelfth of the population to teach them that worship was important and that those engaged in spiritual endeavors should not entangle themselves in worldly affairs. So even though we are soldiers of Christ, we must still worship God. They were to cast lots to distribute the various areas of land to the tribes. Casting lots ended once the Holy Spirit was given. God kept his promise that from the Exodus generation, only Joshua and Caleb would go forward into the promised land. God is faithful to keep his promises, as I said, even his promises to judge. We see that throughout scripture, beginning with the flood and the rainbow. It took 40 years for this sentence to be fully executed. But justice delayed is not justice denied. Therefore, we must not presume on the mercy of God, but repent as judgment is coming, and we do not want to die in our sins. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Numbers chapter 27. May God bless the study of his word.